Coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field, it's the Derek Izzy Show. Listening to the Derek Izzy Show. Welcome back for another month, and we got some news for you. Please welcome a brand new sponsor of the Derek Izzy Show. Now you have to click on the link on the website or in the show notes. Yeah, we posted the link in the show notes, so all you have to do is click on the link right from your tablet or your phone or whatever device you're using to listen to the podcast, or you can click on it. Straight from the website, DerekIzzy.com. But let me tell you about this sponsor because it's something that every person who listens to the show will actually be able to use. Now, this company is called Fiverr. The best way I can explain it is that if you are trying to do anything that is business related, you want to click on that link and check out their site because they have people who can help you at a reasonable price. I'll use as an example, if you're trying to grow your business and you need to look into advertising, you can go on there and you can check out people that specialize in getting the word out, advertising your business. They offer their services at a reasonable price and you can look at their profiles and you can decide who you want to use. They're all freelancers. Because they're freelancers, each one sets their own price and you can read through their information and decide who you'd like to use. So use the link from DerekIzzy.com or in the show notes and check them out because this is a, they are really a unique business and it's something I think the entire audience will be able to take advantage of no matter what kind of business you're in. There is somebody on that site who can help your business grow. Check out the freelancers at Fiverr using that link on DerekIzzy.com and now the topic of today's podcast. Just let me die. The day was Sunday, October 22nd in the year 2000. Two policemen would stumble upon the scene, the aftermath of a fiery tragedy. A woman lay there, barely conscious, with burns over 90% of her body. The policeman would call for help. They tried to question the woman, but the woman did not want to be questioned. She would not give her name. She told the police to leave her alone. She just wanted to die. When police did their initial investigation, they found her car had been burned up. There were two gallon jugs. One was empty, the other partially filled with gasoline. The policemen were able to deduce that gasoline was used to initiate the fire. But why did this happen? As police examined the scene, they found two rabbits that were burnt to death. 
The ambulance arrived and took the woman to a nearby hospital. The woman told the nursing staff she just wanted to die. The nursing staff did everything they could to save the woman's life, but she got her wish and she died. What police would soon discover is that this was a suicide. It was not a murder. But what would drive this woman to burn herself alive? What tragedy happened in her life that would lead her to this graphic end? Back in the 1960s, an American auto producer, Carol Shelby, maybe you've heard the name. Carol Shelby had one goal in his life, and that was to beat the Ferrari team. He had a rivalry with Enzo Ferrari, and Carol Shelby's goal of beating Ferrari, this would become an obsession. Ferrari was the strongest racing team in the world. Carol Shelby put all of his investment, all his time, all his money, and the Cobra Daytona Coupe was born. Also known as the CSX 2287, Carol Shelby slaved away at this car, pursuing this design to perfection. And finally, in 1965, Carol Shelby managed to take first place winning nine of the 12 events, becoming the first American racing team to accomplish this, beating Ferrari and securing the legend of the Cobra Daytona Coupe. And on November 6th in 1965, the car would have its final race. After that race, the car would be sold to Jim Russell for $4,500. Jim Russell got a pretty good deal on this now famous car. The car was one of only six that were ever built. So it definitely had value in being rare. So after Jim Russell had the car, he sold it to a famous music producer at the time, Phil Spector. Phil Spector would take the car on drives. He loved showing it off, just taking it out in public, driving it down the street. Phil Spector was quite eccentric. And the power of the car was a little bit too much for him, as he loved to use that power. Legend has it that he got so many tickets, he had to sell the car. The car was then sold to Phil Spector's bodyguard for $1,000. And that is where the quandary begins. The bodyguard didn't really have a use for the car after he purchased it, but he decided to give it to his daughter Donna. Donna wasn't really a fan of racing or anything. So what would she do with a car that had this kind of power and this kind of fame? Well, there wasn't much that she could do. She ended up putting the car in a storage shed. Now, Donna was only, Donna was only in her 20s, so she really didn't know much about cars and let it basically sit in the storage shed because she didn't know what to do with it. So Donna's life would go on. Donna would get a job working at a Sears distribution center. She'd start to date one of the forklift drivers. His name was Robert. The two of them had a relationship. They would end up buying a house together. Several years later, they would break up. Donna was very independent. She was very smart, and she had her own way of doing things. She was also very stubborn. And that stubbornness led to problems in relationships. 
Donna was starting to have some issues at work. It is alleged that she found out about some improprieties at work and that she was going to be the whistleblower. Now, I was unable to uncover actual evidence of this, but it kind of makes sense when you consider her her story overall. Being a whistleblower back in those days was not really looked on as a favorable trait, and it looked like Donna was about to be fired. Now, at this time, Donna didn't really have much going on in her life. She had her pet rabbits, and she had her job, but her life was pretty empty. Meanwhile, the Daytona Coupe sits in storage, just accruing dust, until the day when Donna would drive out under a bridge, set her two pet rabbits on fire, and then set herself on fire in an effort to commit suicide. Now again, we don't know all the reasons that drove Donna to this action, but we do know that after her death, it was time to go through all of her possessions and pass them out to the new owners. In the course of searching through Donna's possessions, the storage shed was opened, and there was that Daytona coupe, still in the condition that it was when she was gifted with it, after having been in storage for 30 years. Now it turns out Donna had actually had offers to buy the car, but she had no interest in selling it. She really didn't have any interest in the car at all. But this car that had been gifted to her by her father, George, who had purchased the car in 1971 for $1,000 allegedly, would create a big mystery. Now that the car is discovered, Phil Spector comes out and says that the car is still his. He says he never sold it or gave it to his bodyguard. He said that he asked his bodyguard just to put it into storage. In the search of Donna's belongings... Allegedly, there was a note found that Donna wanted to give the car to Kurt Goss. In the note, it talked about Kurt Goss would be able to find a place for the Cobra in a museum. This was one of several notes that Donna had left. But the existence of this car was attracting a lot of attention. Phil Spector sued to get ownership of the car back. Kurt Goss was in court. And there were several collectors that were now coming after the car. Now this car that was allegedly gifted to Donna by her father, after being in storage for 30 years, had grown in value. And it grew significantly. The car that was originally purchased for $4,500 was now worth a lot more. But how much more? Well, to give you an idea, the other five cars... They belonged to private car collectors. And in 2009, one of those cars had sold for $7.5 million. There have been several theories about why Donna never sold the car. And some of them make sense. One of the theories is that she would have had a difficult time proving that she actually owned the car. And that Phil Spector had actually sold it. So if she wanted to sell it for a couple million dollars, there would have been a big legal battle and she just didn't want to be bothered with it. Her peculiarity also came into question that she didn't care about getting several million dollars. That wasn't important to her. Leaving the car in storage was just the easy thing to do so she wouldn't have to be bothered with it. In 2014, 
the International Historic Motoring Awards name that Cobra Car of the Year. The Shelby Cobra Daytona Coupe is currently on display at the Simone Automotive Museum in Philadelphia if you'd like to take a look at it. From starting off as the passion that finally defeated the unbeatable Ferrari team, selling for $4,500, going into storage, and then 30 years later, being worth millions of dollars after a bizarre suicide. Now you know the rest of the story. Thank you for listening to The Derek Izzy Show. I hope you enjoyed this bizarre episode. And check out the link in the show notes on DerekIzzy.com. If you need any business advice, get freelancers for every type of industry. It's available, but you got to use that link because we get, we get credit for that. Support the show. Write a five-star review on iTunes. We really need those reviews. They go a long way to helping the show. And tune in next month for another episode of The Derek Izzy Show, making history his story. Good day.